This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, Kurt Geyer here. Welcome to another episode of Working Class on DeerCast. I don't normally do this on these episodes, uh, but this episode was recorded at the ATA show in Louisville, Kentucky uh, at the beginning of January. So... When we do these mobile shows, the background settings and the mic quality and all that is never in a super controlled situation like it is here at the studio. So when things go sideways here at the studio, it's just our fault and we're learning as we go. We're rednecks that are trying to learn this whole techie stuff. And that ATA, there's a lot of stuff outside of what we control that goes on. So just a heads up, there is a little bit of background noise. The mics aren't as crisp and clean as they are here in the studio. But I think the conversation is a ton of fun with the Lindsays. They're great guys. And uh, we appreciate all your guys' support with this new series. We're having a blast with it. We're learning a ton. And as we go and, and move forward and get more comfortable with this new series on DeerCast, we're hoping we're going to get better and better. And we're going to be sifting through those comments on DeerCast uh, specifically for topic ideas, guest ideas. If there's someone from DeerCast you want to hear on the podcast, let us know. Um, any any topic suggestions, anything at all, throw at us. We don't know um, unless we get the communication from you guys that are listening. Um, or if you'd like to hear us just cover a certain topic with whoever, um, throw it at us. This is our community here on DeerCast. It's our people on this platform specifically. It's the hunter's safe space, if you will. So we're doing our best to embrace it with all that we have. So I'll quit rambling. Hope you guys enjoy this episode, and thanks for the support. ATA show 2022. I think I think it's day two. Feels like day eight already. Yeah, it's, it's been a long one already. <laughs> we got the Lindsays back on the podcast in the booth. What's up, fellas? What's hey. up, man? Hey, it's been a while since we got to hook up and do a podcast because, I mean, a couple years, right? It yeah. seems like now. Yeah, I'd say it's two years. Which is crazy to think yeah. that that much time has gone by. But yeah, you guys come a long way in two years. We're, sure we're working hard, man. I so. appreciate that. Well, I mean, 
you jumped on early with us. Remember we chatted about lining up with the first podcast several years ago yeah. when we were in our first studio in Girard. And You didn't, weren't in person. You would have been... It's, it was a closet is what our studio was there. Right. So now it actually might be worth coming to check out yeah. if you guys are in the area. But but no, I appreciate you guys came on early, so you gave us a chance, and it's kind of cool. Now we're now we're in with the jury family a little bit, and, and we were talking this morning, like, which, which dream, was it Dream Season Working Man? Yeah, well, Dream Season uh, Celebrity was the first one. That was the first one. And we did, well, then what was the next one called? It was just, just Dream Season? Yeah, just Dream Season. Because Sylvia was on your yeah, guys' team, yeah. right? Yeah, that's how we got to be buddies with Tim. And yeah. I think he's from your guys' area somewhere. Yeah, yeah he's he yeah. actually, yeah, right in, yeah. I mean, I've hunted with Tim on his farm in Iowa, and um, yeah, he's, yeah, real close, half hour roughly from right. where we're at, so... So, yeah, I mean, we made lifelong friends at that show, and, you know, Drew was, gave us the, the platform to, mm-hmm. to where we are today, no doubt about it. But Dream Season was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a different mm-hmm. type deal because you're hunting and it's competition. You know, it's probably doing it for all the wrong reasons, but we were very competitive guys. Yeah. And, and that drove us, and that drove that whole team. We was on a team full of killers. I mean, we killed yeah. Every year it was twenty five, thirty bucks that those three or four teams killed, and it was, it was, it was fun. It was good old days, you know. Did, did that seem like a lot when you guys first started doing that, with like cameras in your face and like having, or have you guys always done that? Or yeah, used to we've kind of done that before. We was we filmed a jury for a few years before that, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it, dream season was kind of the last four or five years, I guess. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it's something we we were kind of used to at that point. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like any yeah. shock. I feel like. If we got through, I mean, you're like you said, you were with them and all that, so it wasn't like this big thing. But it'd be hard to like get used to yeah. being on camera all the time and like podcast simple for us, but you get in front of a video camera, I feel like <laughs> it's easy to be like get robotic real fast. Yeah, you know? everybody changes. You turn that camera on, yeah. I don't care who they are, man. You know, I'm like filming my wife, and I'm like, who is this person? You know? I was like, I've never heard you talk like that. Relax. Yeah, <laughs> just be yourself. Yeah, dude. So you guys have had a killer season. We're you know, we follow you guys, of course, but we were creeping this morning just to get caught up on everything. And I'm like, I don't even know how to ask you guys about a specific deer because it's like big buck after big buck after big buck. Like, how many how many big bucks have you guys shot this year? Well, we counted it up yesterday. <clears throat> one guy, we got to get asked the same question. I think between us and our family, we killed 15 bucks this year and then um, four bulls. You no, know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I say family, like brother-in-law my yeah. son my son's killed three you know, Kyle he, yeah, killed he was, one. he was busy he's killing some slammers <laughs> he is man. Yeah. he's seven that's amazing that he's so seven cool. he killed one in iowa and killed two bucks in georgia and uh we had see he didn't fill all his tags because i did actually buy him a bow tag in missouri he took him hunting there twice with a crossbow and he didn't see nothing and he never wants to hunt missouri again by the time he's <laughs> oh, right. zero deer so <laughs> no deer there yeah how does that no, feel, Grandpa, to see that? Oh, well, that's not counting all the does he killed. Right, right. Yeah, I think he's, he's killed 10 deer so he's, far uh, this year. His, his little back's hurting. Carrying the load. Is it cool to see your grandson? Oh, yeah, man. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I can't imagine like that. Like, I think about my son when he gets older doing that. I can't imagine if he has kids watching them hunt and do like what we love. Yeah. I feel like that'd be kind of just like a... I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea how to wrap my head. And as a dad, it's I can't imagine any cooler feeling than to see your dad and your son sharing yeah. that. It's pretty cool. It yeah. is. It's cool. It's a cool feeling. And uh, something out in the hall. I like yeah. cleaning the floor or something. Yeah, it sounds loud through these. It's not. Yeah, I hear that. Anyway, but yeah, that's. I think that's just so cool, man. We're pulling that up. When he pulled up, he's like, "Look at this thing." I'm like, "It's such a stud deer." Yeah. yeah. Does he like? He obviously knows what big deer are and stuff like that, but 
He, he does. You know, I've been told by a lot of people, you know, it's everybody's got their own opinion when you start. He killed his first turkey when he was four, you know, and they're like, well, <laughs> a lot of people, maybe that was too early, but I mean, he wanted to kill one when he was two. I was like, no, we got to hold wait. off. He was shooting the gun. He was practiced. He was dead on. I knew what he could do. So when the yeah. time came, I mean, he executed. And, and even though he's my son, he kills first deer when he's five, but I've never, he's never been really sitting in my lap. I'm not cocking the gun, putting it on the deer. We don't have a, a phone scope or nothing like that. He's got the, the gun, the shotgun, or the rifle on death grip. He's loading it. He's pulling the hammer back, and he's doing it all. So, uh, <laughs> he really right. is. So, so once he it's can, so yeah, awesome. he took David took a couple times and he shot does, and um, I, was, I was like, well, I didn't have to do anything. I was like, I know, just hand him the gun and get out of the way. <laughs> he's got it. You know, one thing doing. he asked me when we were fixing to get out of the stand, he goes, Papa, I said, yeah, is that gun unloaded? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Seven year old. That's yeah, pretty dang that. cool, man. Well, taught him good then because he yeah, knows that yeah, stuff. You have to, well. right? What do, uh, what's kind of like at school with like, you know, like teachers obviously got to know like what he's doing and like his yeah. friends and stuff. They're it's, cool with it. Yeah, he yeah. goes to a private school, which is probably maybe a little more accepted. It's in the country. Right, right. So it's probably a little more accepted. But, yeah, you know, I gave him a picture to take the second mm-hmm. one he killed. And, and both his deer he killed in Georgia he had named because we'd had previous encounters. And the first one he killed was, I think he was older than he was, you know, was like a, <laughs> a seven or eight-year-old buck. And, uh but yeah, he he does know. You said, does he know what a big buck? He he does. Um, everybody's always said, oh, no, you know, one twenty, one sixty. They don't know the difference, and yeah. I, and I do believe that some. But Cash, I mean, he's been around it so much. Yeah. He'll like pick up a big set of sheds and. The, the springtime, he's like, well, this is the one I want to kill. I'm like, well, there goes that theory. You know, he, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what he, he knows five. exactly. <laughs> right, right. He's calling out, this is a 160 type yeah. buck. Like, <laughs> but on. the deer he killed in, in, in Iowa late season was perfect. It was a five or six-year-old deer. He was one that was easy to high grade because he, he didn't have a whole lot of mass, but he was wide and he's mm-hmm. short time, no brows. You know, mid-30s deer, but he had 11 points, so he likes the points. Yeah. He was wide, so, you know, yeah, he could – if he would have killed a 160 on that one, I don't – honestly don't think he would have really known the difference. Yeah, yeah. They don't he understand maybe mass and, yeah, well, yeah. that one's got short brows. He doesn't care. Yeah, short four is going to let this one go. Yeah. yeah. He's got 11 points. That's a big deer. Yeah. yeah. That's all. So, do, does I'm sure you show them out all these deer that he's killing. Does he, are they in his room, or are they with – Dad and Papa's deer. Yeah, he's the one in Illinois shot with his crossbow last year. That was his biggest one. That one had like 12 points. It was 141. And it's, I, I FaceTimed him when I was at the uh, um, uh, taxidermist in Illinois. So he's mm-hmm. pumped about that. His two in Georgia were just going to, I said, well, if we, you know, they weren't giants or nothing. I said, well, if we just uh, skull mount these, you're, you can have these in your room in two weeks. And so yeah. I think they're, ab- they're about done. And uh, now the one he just shot here, we sent our taxidermist. So he wants to hang them all in his room. That's his goal. That is cool. That's got to be fun. Yeah. Are you guys big taxidermy guys in general? I mean, you guys shoot so many deer and elk and whatever else. Like, are you real big on taxidermy? Because I know some guys are, and then, or they get out of it because they get too much. Yeah. I, I'm a stickler on good taxidermy. I feel like you know I've had several taxidermists over the years, and now we got a, a guy out of Missouri, Rick Lowry, who I think is the best in the world, mm-hmm. and very big stickler on that. My one regret is. Um, you know, you got so many mounts, and even Dave said that, you know, over the years, I mean, how many is, is too many? I wish I probably would have Euroed a lot more. Not mm-hmm. necessarily, one, for space, but two, you know, the capes fade, and it's like, what do I do? Do I remount this deer, yeah. or, or bugs got in this one? So I was like, if I would have just Euroed every deer I ever killed, it, it'd look cool, but I don't know, something about a deer mount, the redneck yeah. in me's got to... Got to prop him up. Seeing that original way. cape just kind of brings you back to the hunt, and you can see exactly what that deer yeah. looks like on the wall. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, your guys' collection, I mean, was together at one point. Because, like, like when, when I lived with my dad, it's like my bucks were with his bucks. So it looked insane because we had a bunch, you know, not as much as what some people have. But then, obviously, bought a house, moved out, and have my our mounts were, like, separate, you know. Right. Now we have our studio that we're kind of compiling everything in there because the houses are getting full. But... I mean, was it that bad? Like, do you guys have like a game room set up, or is it just kind of like in the living room? You know what I mean, that type of thing. Yeah. My, mine's set up in my family room. I mean, I got mm-hmm. a real high ceiling, and I got all my mounts up high, and yeah. I got a bunch of pedestal mounts. But it's kind of like when's enough enough? But then you go <laughs> kill that deer you've been hunting for two years, and you're like, yeah. I'm not going just yeah. you know hero him. I'm gonna mount him just because I because he's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, he's yeah. got a perfect cape. So I mean, yep. never ending. It's hard not. To, I just like that question because I'm I love yeah. taxidermy. I think it's cool to like see people's setups and why they chose what form and just I don't know. I just think that's part of the fun of it all and that's how will you enjoy forever after you yeah, get them, bring them you know? back to life yeah yeah uh, and we we split ours up i was because he had so many i was like look take these down <laughs> pictures up right and so i'm in the process of building me a trophy room and mm-hmm. i got you know in my my mind's eye what i want it to look like it's going to be awesome but like a tom you know, miranda style yeah. trophy room have <laughs> yeah. you seen his just, yeah <laughs> it's like a room like this that we're but in just, just like full <laughs> right from floor to ceiling yeah i don't quite have that but i got a bunch i don't know how many we were figuring up the other day how many we had and it's a lot but it's just where, where do you put them all so trophy give, room give me a number on shoulder mounts what do you think you have what, what do you got dave you ever counted oh, them probably 40 40 you, oh you got yeah. way more than that you think I got eighty something. Eighty. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to pull my picture out and look at. It. I just threw out a yeah. number. Yeah, uh, he's probably got a hundred. Right. But <laughs> that's but that's awesome. why this last few years. Yeah. And I'm not saying I, there's not a number. It's like oh, if he's one fifty, I got a mounting or right, right. a euro. It's just like what what that deer means a little more to me or something like that. Or or sometimes you get those darker skulls and or more mass. I'm like you know I'm gonna look cool on a yeah. euro mount. Yeah. But but when I build my trophy room, and you guys may have an opinion on this, but. My plan is um, I don't want so many deer just get lost in all these trophy rooms. And down in Texas, these guys were complaining about it because they had the greatest collection of mounted deer I've probably ever seen in my life. But they get up so high, you just you lose that. You're looking at the bottom of main beams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he just a 200-inch deer just doesn't mm-hmm. look that big. But, but when they're down on the level, so that's my goal is to kind of stair-step them, have them one about head height, one about chest height. And that's going to take your room up, and that's going to kind of limit what you can do. But yeah. To just be able to see and almost touch them, yep. it just to me that just means a lot more. I agree for with sure. That. And we we even talked about this because this year we at our studio we had both your big bucks, my buck, Doug's buck, Eric's buck, all these other deer that we killed, you know, and we're, they're skull plated or skull um, skull mounted because they're going to the taxidermist. But in the meantime, we bring them back to the studio to play with them, and it's almost like how fun would it be? To just kind of have them all skull plated because you can pick them up yeah, and like touch a, them like appreci- a shed. I think a shed yep. you appreciate it a little more. Yeah. And that's just kind of fun to like hand them off and like I don't know. So it's cool, but then you I think you regret not shoulder mounting some of them big deer. But I think just to handle them, the appreciation's a little different than just looking at it on the wall. Yeah, but just need the money to be <clears> able to replica every one of them so you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> that, that would be cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably why Dave, I mean, honestly, all of his big ones lately, he pedestal mounts them, and that way you're setting them on the floor, he's hanging them low, and he can turn yeah. them with some of the, the, the cool technology now, but they're right there. Every one of his big deer now is like, I can grab it. And pedestal mounts are classy. Yeah. They just got a real good, yeah, like, they are like a prestige it's art yep. it's art yeah yeah yep. you get yeah you can get it and you can walk around it the back of the mount's finished 
it's i don't know there's some about them yeah we got a couple now and i almost they take up a little more room you know but it's like for wall pedestals we're not doing them all floor pedestals yeah but you know i kill i kill some real big bucks then i'll you know like a 180 bigger type deer than i'd probably do more floor pedestals here my voice is going away yeah as we're our voices along. are kind of rough this morning <laughs> yelling at each other i shot a couple deer uh last year with the traditional archery and did like a it's a big floor pedestal and had them kind of interacting together that was pretty oh, cool yeah, yeah because you both killed them that way yeah kill them both with a long bow yeah Dang, how are you gonna do the mountain lion i think i, I got a full mountain you yeah, know it's so big yeah. so i I don't know. I was like, man, should I rug it? I was talking to the guys out there because they said it was a good cat, you know, not like insane, but it'd probably be the only one I ever kill because it, it's just one of them hunts. Like, I don't really need to shoot five mountain lions or anything like that. You right. Know? Yeah. Once you've done one, it's like a bear. Yeah. So, it yeah, it's exactly. So I was like, man, I got a full mountain, I think. So I'm going to do it on like snowy rocks or yeah. snowy branches. And I shot a buck in Illinois that I'm going to Euro mount, and I think I'm going to put the Euro, like, in the rocks. Like a dead kill or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah, so just kind yeah. of bring my season together in one oh, mount yeah. like that. So, so. You're, the buck you killed this year is the one you're going to put in the... Yeah, the second oh, one nice. I shot, I'm going to Euro that one and put it in the rocks. Like, I think it'd be cool to, like, set it in so it kind of sits down in the rocks so it looks like it's cool. been laying there like an, like an old lion kill or something like that. But we're going to put it in the studio so it's looking down in our, like, entertainment area. So I think it'd be kind of neat. Yeah, but that's gonna be big. Take up a lot of space. We're gonna yeah. get it up high, so it's like looking down. But I don't know. I just taxidermy is cool. But I think about this often. If my daughter and my son don't get into hunting, which if they're not, that's fine. And I kick the bucket. <laughs> what the hell are they gonna do with all of them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to like ride in yard sale, donate them to a cracker barrel <laughs> somewhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's Pro. gonna be those ones. Yeah, that somebody found at a garage sale or something <laughs> i've never thought about that but that's that is frightening it is i mean because it's so much yeah you can't put them in like you just it'd be like anywhere can you imagine my daughter being like dad's got 140 deer heads 100 <laughs> taxidermy animals if she's not into it she's probably just give them away yeah. my buddy jim burns is like that yeah he's like his kids don't care and he's got moose care i mean all everything you know a bunch he's like i'm like will them to me I'll do something yeah. with them. Just give them to a local Cracker Barrel. Or end up, it's how they, like those big legendary bucks end up in like a tavern somewhere. Yeah. And then some guy really recognizes how big of a deer it is years later. I think those days are gone now. But <laughs> right. We need yeah. to start a museum, a local place, where everybody with this problem has a place to yeah. bring their heads. They know they're going to be in a safe place. <laughs> like, right. like a goodwill. A goodwill for taxidermy. <laughs> Just like good move idea. them through. <laughs> yeah, probably not a very uh, marketable business, but no. maybe it well, is. it sounds like that's what your studio is going to be for, though, right? Just make it a museum. It, yeah, but it's going to get full quick. Yeah, you know, everybody's with all our stuff, you know, because we – we get together there, and everyone comes. So you want to be like, hey, there's a buck I shot. So, but Ross replica, he shot a 200 last year. Got it replica, shoulder mounted, wall pedestal, and then he's full mounting the original because he's got the man cave for it. So he's bringing the replica to the studio. I'm getting my dad's biggest one replica, just as like an insurance policy. So, and then we're doing a like a skull plate version of it, so we can take it to trade shows and let people handle that buck and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of space and a lot of room, yeah. but it'll be all right. <laughs> but earlier, before we started going, we were talking about, like, um, I just thought this conversation was interesting. I just want to tap into it a little bit with you guys, like, like deer resilience, like, for survival right now. Because right now we're into the late season, and you guys, I, I walked into uh, to your guys' conversation. I'm assuming you're talking about, like, Texas bucks. Yeah. Where after the rut, 
they don't really have to go through the brutal weather conditions like Midwestern and Northern right. type deer do. So, and you, and you, you brought up, do we see a lot of our deer make it, our older deer make it to the following year? So, uh, do you notice a huge difference in like deer quality from Southern deer to like Midwestern deer? Uh, I wouldn't say quality uh, as much as, you know, just carryover. You know, in Georgia... Yeah, maybe yeah, quality is a bad term for that, yeah, but you yeah, know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but carryover, um, I, I don't know. In the Midwest, it, it feels like, you, you know, you're five and a half and bigger or older deer. I mean, it, I don't know, Dave. And we talk a little bit about this a lot. Well, this time of year, we're always talking about this because they get so beat up in the rut. You know, or, or your neighbors kill them, or they just flat out disappear, or some of them die of HD. But I mean, from year to year, is it is 50%? Is that too high on carryover? Where? For five and a half, and, and talk about Georgia. Iowa, Illinois. And, in Georgia, that number is going to go up. Like in Texas, he's like, well, you know, our, our number is probably close to 100%, you know, just, yeah, that, yeah. that we don't lose them. And they have more mature bucks down there than you could imagine then you can wrap mm. your head around and, and, and they do and their, fight. Fur, their furs you know so thin this time of year mm. you know nothing, you can't compare growing deer in texas and growing deer in the midwest mm. i mean it's, it's Those just deer, not fair yeah, the texas deer i mean they, they they're rutting right now and then they got you know jane like i was saying january february march to recuperate and mm-hmm. it's in the, it's 60 degrees you know it may get down a little cold but it's warming up in the day and and, and our deer in the Midwest, I mean, they just went through the toughest two-month stretch of, of, of the year in the mm-hmm. rut, get their body weights down, they got pus pockets, they got eyes out, broke ears. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, hey, it's going to be sub-zero uh, wind chill for yeah. the next three weeks. Yeah, you know, and you're all your body months. fats down, so yeah. try that Good, good yeah. luck. Yeah. Never thought about that with Texas deer, how really how easy either. they have it yeah. after the rut. But oh, it was conditions are to- me. totally different. You think 50% carryover in the Midwest? Man, I, it's different. It's different every year, you know, because... Yeah. Uh, I, There's I so know, many factors that play into it. Th- there is. I mean, we had EHD hit in 09 and 12, and uh, gosh, I can't even remember. What, what year was it we lost? I do know because we counted them all up. We had every deer documented, every one that we found, and once it disappeared, it was 70 to 75% of our mature deer that we figured was three and, three and a half or four mm-hmm. and a half or older died of EHD. We had found them or they disappeared and never showed back up. But mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you say that number is now? I mean, Well, it depends on when you start your number. Are you starting at the beginning of season? If you say at the beginning of season, I got 10 deer over six years old. Mm-hmm. Then you got poachers. We got roads going through our property, get hit. We yeah. found them with just, just heads cut off. Uh, EHD, I mean, fighting. We found right. several deer last year just from dead from fighting during the rut. You know, they we're going to kill some of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Neighbors right. going to kill some. Yep. And so you throw all that into yeah. place. Yeah, 50% might be generous sometimes. Yeah, yeah you when know? you really yeah. start thinking about it, you're like, gosh, it couldn't be it's worse crazy. than that. But then when we start thinking about it and really looking at the deer that we kind of had on the hit list and where they're at now. Yeah. Uh, one of them shed early. Is he going to make it? And, and one of our big things is our deer, some of our deer just disappear. Yeah. You know, we don't know where they go. We don't know yep. if they're going to come back or what happens. So do you count those deer? I mean, you know, because they may show up the next year or something. <laughs> yeah. My and really you don't need to count. 50%. You don't really need to count it until they show back up in velvet right. next year. You yeah. know, there's we some may, creep. Yeah, we yeah. may think it's 50% now. Go yeah. velvet. We got 25%. I started keeping up with them last year. You know, and so I'm, I've got it on the tablet, and I just kind of keep up with all the deer that we had. We felt like it was five and a half and older mm-hmm. because we really wait. We're not going to shoot one before that. Yeah. So we wait till they're five and a half and older before we really document them. We keep up with them before that. But, mm-hmm. So I got them on a chart. No and, kidding. Yeah, and it, it's kind of scary. Really? Yeah. It's it's 
it's tough to get it's a deer depressing. that old. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think that conversation is really interesting. Like, you know, how many times you find a dead buck during shed season, and I don't know. You just think someone shot him and they ran. He was wounded, but f- like fighting injuries is probably like a pretty high percentage of like buck deaths because it's kind of a bad design. Like the antlers, they're just taking brow tines to the the <laughs> yeah. forehead and just crack skulls and yeah. whatever else it's you know. truly survival of the fittest and especially yeah. when you talk about the midwest and what they got to go through and i think that's you know overall why the, the deer in the midwest or you know the cat's meow what everybody compares to the, these giant bucks in the entire country is the midwest because they got what they got to go through through the winter and they've just evolved to be these just big bodied mm-hmm. bigger specimens because that's that's the only thing that could make it yeah right yeah you, you bring a texas deer up here i mean it'd die in two days <laughs> yeah. here in this weather we're getting Right, but yeah, it's crazy because I never, I've never hunted Texas. I've, te- I've been in Texas airport. I've never actually been to Texas, you know. But we're gonna go to Texas, I think, in the next couple of years. That's and do some, on the to do list. It's That'd on the, be a fun yeah, one. Yeah, do some type of hunting, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, I just never thought about that. Like after the rut when they ran down, they're kind of just. I don't want to say sitting with their feet up, but they kind of are in comparison to what oh, yeah. these deer are going through. Especially, imagine having your skull full of pus. And then you got to be outside in like zero degree weather and then find food and avoid coyotes and everything else. It just wouldn't, it's a tough, tough life. Yeah, from the day that they drop as a fawn, you know, they got something after them. Yeah. A turkey's even worse. You know, we won't get into that, but um, I mean, they, they got a rough life. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's truth of the matter. They're a great animal, the greatest big game animal in North America, but it's a, they got a tough road to hoe to get to. The seven and a half, because at yeah. the end of the day, a seven and a half year old buck, and, and this is different everywhere. This is different even in Iowa. Some guys I was talking to a couple of days ago who I respect a lot, but we feel like seven and a half to eight and a half is the biggest that buck will ever get, mm-hmm. typically, if you just look at all the ones. But to, there's not a, so that's a small sample size, because to, to get one to that is, mm-hmm. has to almost be a miracle. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so one, one day, you know, this is a couple of years ago, me and Mark Drury, three of us were sitting around talking, and it was like, man, you know what? I think you start counting all the bucks, you got to have a hundred bucks to get one to that seven or, or eight age yeah. in, the, in the Midwest. Once you start figuring, you know, every little <laughs> spike and every, you start counting them all up, okay? And every other one of those seven or eight year old bucks is going to be a, not a junker, mm-hmm. but you know, 140 inch eight pointer yeah, or yeah. 135 inch seven pointer. So te- honestly, you about have to have 200 bucks. And this is, you know, not like science. This is just what we, we kind of yeah, came up yeah. with. You got to have 200 bucks to come up with uh, one buck like a big chocolate that made it to seven and a half mm-hmm. and was at the biggest he's ever been and probably was going to go downhill after that mm-hmm. or he mm-hmm. may have had one more good year to um to actually hunt because that's at the end of the day that's what you really want to kill you want to kill a buck you feel like man i took him out on the top he was never going to be any any bigger right yeah. but it, that's just <clears throat> all the stars have to line up we won't get into that but it's uh, interesting to think about though yeah. i just love that type of conversation well what we, we talked about this a while back i can't remember who said it maybe you'll remember but um, they say, oh, who that? And maybe Bill Winky, but I'm probably wrong on that. Saying that bucks want to be like 140 is like that's like what the potential of a deer wants to be. You know, like right. mm-hmm. genetically, anything bigger than that is like a specimen. Right. Like on, on an average, like how humans are, you know, or 510. Like that's like average, average height, yeah. roughly. Anything bigger than like 
your exceptional height a little bit, you know? So, like, bucks want to be – does that make sense what I'm getting at? Yeah, oh, yeah. I can't remember how he quoted it. Not, not every deer is going to be a 170 when they max on. I mean, the average yeah. deer when he maxes on at six or seven years old is going to be a 50-type deer. Yeah, when like, 40 or 50 going deer. That's what made me think of it, kind of what you were saying, because, you know, you get an eight-year-old buck and he's just 135-inch eight. That's Sometimes that's just – what it is, yeah, you know. That's what he is, yeah. yeah. And he's one of those that either got high-graded by the neighbors because or something because they were hunting a bigger one or something like that, and he didn't get shot. But, I mean, just to get – you take, like, the deer Goliath, for instance, the deer that, you know, we get asked about more so than any other deer. And, and when David had that encounter with him, um, when he was seven and a half and he was 230 – or, no, he was – 240 no he, he was nine and a half then i'm sorry he was nine and a half because at seven and a half he was the biggest he went down to 210 if you can go down <laughs> at eight and a half and then at nine and a half he was the 230s or whatever but that deer when he was six and a half he was 205 or 210 we have those sheds so anybody in their right mind you know jerry walked out on me and i would have shot the deer For you sure, know yeah. and and but he didn't. He didn't move. He was a nocturnal buck. Or, or one of our neighbors knew a little bit about him. He had had an encounter with him when he was, he was seven or nine. I don't remember looking back. Nine. And uh, but but there'd only he'd only been seen like two or three times ever. Mm-hmm. So for that deer, obviously, it was the Michael Jordan of of bucks because he grew that. Mm-hmm. But had he been a deer that moved he would have got whacked at five or six yeah, or something yeah. like that so that's kind of next level thinking but that deer like you know in iowa you you, you do your you put out a, a mineral block or, or a pile of feed big time whatever try to get them to come in and, and get pictures of them well that deer it wasn't you couldn't yeah. he, he wouldn't come to that and an old timer up there told us uh, that that deer didn't like corn, corn. That's yeah. right. And Never so could David, get a picture of him on corn. Hmm. <laughs> not, crazy. not one time, us or the neighbor who I knew had a couple of feeders out. But and I had a picture of him one time on a scrape. He didn't see the camera, and the next and one other time when he was was he, I don't remember if he was seven or nine. This is going back ten or twelve years. So my mm-hmm. my memory I can't even hardly remember what happened yesterday. But he he come in. He, it, it was it was Reconics at the time. We had the three burst mode, and the first picture he was looking at the camera at like ten yards away, eight ten yards whatever. The next picture was his butt. And then third picture was no deer in there, and that was just on a scrape. And you know, mm-hmm. and those you know, reconics are not like flashing or anything. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Throwing some infrared lights up. So, <laughs> two pictures of that deer ever. And the other one was oh, really? he had his head up in the in the brush bushes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you know, he, working the scrape, so he didn't see the camera. Evidently, and that was the only other picture we got of him. Man, he's just that wiry. He was that wiry, and and thank God he was that. Well, you know, we didn't end up with him, but. It's like the big one that got away. We still talk about him more than <laughs> any we've killed. But, but thank God he was like that. Thank God he was that scared of daylight or, or humans or whatever because that what, that's what led him to, to, to mm-hmm. stay alive to grow that giant rack. You so. wonder what, like, makes an animal that way is it just like paranoia of survival they're just like i'm not so, doing yeah anything. why is he so it, different yeah, yeah. what my my thinking on that is the deer's got to have that kind of genetic he was 200 four years we know four years that's amazing. over 200 <laughs> and so with him doing that i mean he's got to have that personality to to stay here to be nocturnal mm-hmm. but not only that he's got to have that genetic yeah. And now that was back in from seven to ten or till nine, and or from six to nine is when we have most of the history and encounter stuff that happened with him, and so since that time a lot more people are hunting. You mm-hmm. know, you're on the map now. Everybody's hunting around you. Everybody's yeah. trying to find a pocket somewhere they can squeeze in, and 
and it's kind of harder for the deer to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's somebody's just, in every really woodlot where normally they could have a little sanction yeah. where everybody's point. putting in food plots now, and everybody's yeah, doing and everything. Everybody's so smarter it's hunters, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're smarter, and you handle things differently. And I mean, we've learned a lot in ten years. That I, I would, but I never would think that if deer was alive now, we'd kill him. He'd still be kicking our butt. But however, we do have one deer that Jeff had like three years ago, that he was filming his eye out, mm-hmm. and uh, we he filmed him. I think he was four or five then, yeah. and we hadn't seen that deer again until this year. He showed up mid. Yeah, no, he did show time. up last year. Oh, once. he did. Yeah, late okay, season. But that's the kind of deer right there. He may not have the genetics, but he kind of got the personality. Got the personality yep, for you know? the survival. Okay, let me ask you this. Then we'll close at the pot. This might be a either this question will either go over really well, or you guys are going to look at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> no. I'm going for it though. If you put yourself in the mind of a deer, do you think you could get past you as a hunter? Does that make sense? Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, if you think about it, now you got to factor in deer things. The rut. You only get to do that. Yeah. No, I'm, a couple I'm, weeks of the year, I'm, so you got to move. I'm dead by Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, you think you could survive through just, a, like, a skilled bow? I'm not that bowling? smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. October 10th. It'd be hard <laughs> to stay in that little 30 acre sanctuary for my whole life. Because you got to eat. Yeah. You got coyotes. You can only look at so many trees. You got to move around and check things David, out. David, yes. David is like no, the ultimate no. survivor. Yeah. He, no. He's I, the, I would say. He's the Goliath. No. You're, <laughs> you're, you're putting yourself in a position to say, oh, I'm smart or oh, I'm not smart. But this is what I think I found out over the years with a deer. Is that whether it's the rut or it's if it's the food or the women. Mm-hmm. That's what gets them in trouble. Yep. And if you ever watch deer, and what I've I've kind of learned from them is, you can almost watch them and tell before you kill them that they're they they're making a mistake, and that sometimes they'll stop. <laughs> they kind of know, know they like, shouldn't be doing it. Just like that, and they think you don't know what they're thinking, but sometimes I think they're thinking their instinct is telling them to do this. Yep. And they're ignoring it a little bit. I'm but, letting but, my guard but, down here. I know but, better, but I'm doing it anyway. I just got through with this one doe. I got to go to the next one. Yep. That's and really interesting. Like, there they go. And, they're, and, and it's almost they'll hesitate if you ever watch them. And they'll stop and look and just hesitate for a little bit. And in their mind, they're probably thinking, don't do that. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking but about, that's my girlfriend. That's like, yeah, I, that's my girl. Yeah, I'd be... Two and a half year old buck smoked by like a school bus or something, <laughs> walking down the middle of the road. Yes. Look for a place my to thinking, the, the, the stripes. My thinking is like I hear all these stories from people saying, "Man, I hunted this deer from two weeks. For two weeks, I hunted this deer, and the one morning I sleep in, he's on camera. Yeah, you know, I heard a story from a friend this year. He told me that right there. He's hunting this deer real hard, and uh, I mean, I just try to be, con- you know, persistent. You yeah. Know? No matter what, just try to be, if at all possible. And other than that, right there, there, I'm not smart or nothing. I don't have a magic number. Just I happen to be blessed to be in a spot where it's a big deer, and so we just pursue them and put in the time. And hopefully, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. That's what makes it fun. It, it, would, it wouldn't be as fun if you knew you were just going to win every time. It, oh, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same. No, no it's not. You got you got to give respect for them and appreciate their survivability and to be able to chase them. I, yeah, I think it's full circle. But you know, money. 
sex and drugs. That's what that's what's demise of all humans. So you know, deer. It's not like really much different. Food, 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 and, food and love and survival. Yeah, you know? that's what gets them killed. That's, it's fun to think about. I like that. To kind of get in the mindset of a deer, I think is just interesting conversation because a little bit of different thinking, you know. So tapping into it. So I appreciate you guys taking the time and coming to yes, BS sir. with us right off the bat. We, we buttered you up with some Krispy Kreme. Hey, so. we appreciate it, man. <laughs> Good. I am now full. <laughs> and uh, sorry to everyone that's probably laughing at my voice this entire podcast, but uh, trade show season's here. It's rough. Yelling at each other all night, you lose your voice fast. So you guys want to plug anything or anything like that before we get out of here? I don't think so, man. You guys keep up the great work. You y'all come a long way. We got a lot, y'all got our respect. Sure. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate so, uh, it. Thank you. And yeah. congrats on the full time gig. And I mean, that's Thanks. that's a big deal, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. We're, we're full speed ahead now. Yeah, that's awesome. We're, we're gonna, gonna have, have some fun now, right? Nope. We're gonna have some fun. It's time to get serious about this now, huh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's All right. good. Everyone, thanks for watching, and listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Hey guys, another giant tracker segment. Uh, this one I'm a little more familiar with because we know Kyle. What's up, man? How's it going? Good, good. Long time no see. Not kind of, not really. Yeah. So Kyle Leonard from Iowa. Thanks for doing this again. He was just in the studio and you did, uh, we did a full length working class bow hunter podcast <clears throat> on another deer cast related giant that you killed, which is, I think, what would we, you measured it and then we re-measured it right after that podcast, like 192 and some change, right? 190 and seven eighths. 190 and seven eighths. Just a giant. Um, we'll I'll put a link to that episode in this description for Deercast and YouTube and stuff. And I'll throw some overlays, cover art, and all that here. Um, absolute stud of a deer. And uh congratulations on that again. Thank you. And so we're I get remember, I think we were going. We we're going to a trade show, might have been ATA or something like that. And Doug's like, Well, Kyle killed another stud. And you did. So, I mean, not long after. So talk about that buck a little bit, the, the second one. Yeah, I had been uh ever since I shot my deer with a bow, I was like, I was on the fence on shooting him earlier in the year, and I was just, you know, I said, it's gonna be that big deer bust with a bow. And that was mm -hmm. my goal the whole season. And then so this, you know, this deer was a regular from velvet all the way up until I, I shot him. I get a couple, couple times a week, you know, he'd be by, there was two real good spots, you know, late season that I had. And mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was focusing on that and it took me all the way till the, uh, the last weekend of season mm -hmm. shot him on the Saturday. That's a way to close it out, man. Yeah. And it was the uh, first time I ever took my daughter out with me. So it was, oh, she was actually even, with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was even more special. So. Oh, that makes it even better. Yeah. Way better. You could have shot any deer. It would have been cool with the fact that it's like a, a good, how, how big a deer is it? Uh, we got him at 152 and seven eights. Yeah. That makes it even better. That's a, that's a stud deer, no matter where you hunt. Yeah. We were, uh, I wish I would have been recording. We were watching some, uh, some does out in the field and, uh, all of a sudden he just popped up out of nowhere and she looked at him and said, daddy, you need to shoot that deer. <laughs> okay. How old is she? She's four. Oh, that's dude. That's so cool. So was she like, has she been around big deer like that at all? Or was she, I, I, what was her reaction when she saw this? Well, she was, she was excited. I mean, yeah, she, she always sees does, you know, we go yeah. drive around that area. 
right outside of town here, there's all kinds of deer and she likes watching them. But mm -hmm. yeah, she'd never seen anything, you know, like that. Yeah. She see she'll look look through trail cam pictures with me and she she'll be like, Dad, that's a big deer. Yeah. So. Yeah. You wonder, uh, you wonder if the, if the youngsters know like how big a deer, you know, you know, I know they don't know that's 150 or that's 170, but you just wonder how they view it. You know what I mean? Cause I remember when I was young, everything was a giant buck, no matter what. Yeah. yeah we actually had uh, some other ones come out in the field after the fact. And she's like, that, that one's not as big. So, yeah. I mean, I guess he kind of knows, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. So I didn't realize your daughter was sitting with you when you were hunting. Yeah. So t tell me what happened. I mean, so what, what were you using a muzzle loader or shotgun or uh, muzzle loader? This is actually the first buck I've ever killed with my muzzle loader. So I had a heck of a season, my biggest deer ever with a bow, and then my first ever buck with a muzzle loader. Shot yeah, with with, it, with your four year old, that makes it even sweeter, man. Right. So you had this buck. How long have you known this deer leading up to this hunt? Um, actually, I uh, he was on my radar last year. I seen him in that same spot last year, and mm -hmm. uh, I videoed him, and I was like, "Man, he could really, he could really do something next year." And he he put on a, a pretty good uh, amount this year. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably I I have to remeasure the sheds. I actually got him right here. Yeah, show him uh, off. But. Awesome. Yeah. Same, same frame and everything. You can definitely tell. Yeah. And he actually, uh, he actually flipped the, uh, sides that he was, that he had the crab claw on this year. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of weird, you know, talking about that other deer of mine, he actually flipped sides on some of the characteristics of him. It was, so it was kind yeah. of odd to see, you know, that both of them deer, you know, flip flop sides, but I wonder what that yeah. is. That's a question for like Mark jury. I, I feel like he would know uh, yeah. if I remember, I'll ask him just to see like, if there's any genetic characteristic or like a pattern with that, that they, he sees, but I mean, it could just be just random. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it'd be interesting. What did, uh, did this buck that you, your second buck that you shot and the big one ninety that you shot earlier in the season, did, did you ever have any pictures of them together? Um, I was going to go back and look. I think I do. See, that'd be pretty dang cool. Like you'd have to almost print that out and frame it with the mounts. Yeah, I'd have to, but I'll, I'll have to go back and look. There's, there's another deer that, uh, he was running with and, um, the neighbor actually shot him. So awesome. Look and see well, if I guess I, I don't know if that's awesome, but maybe, I mean, yeah. if your neighbor's a good guy, awesome, but. It was actually a girl. It was her first time ever going out by herself. Uh, okay. That's tour. awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah. She, yeah, she, uh, works actually at old barn. So, Oh, no kidding. It's such a small world, man. It's crazy. That whole circle over there. Well, I mean, you're in Iowa. That's where big bucks live. So, I mean, dude, both the stories, you know, you were in the studio and did that full length podcast with your first buck. And, you know, we put, uh, some clips up on our socials of, uh, you filmed that deer the year prior. And we showed the clip of it like eating in broad daylight, like beautiful big buck footage. It's in, it's incredible. And uh, people were kind of like freaking out and making jokes in the comments. Like, yeah, I don't care if I'm tagged out. You know, they're kidding around. But man, right. it, it would be hard to sit there and watch a buck like that. Just come in and mill around and eat turnips or whatever he was on and then just walk off. So I'm glad that buck worked out for you. And this other buck, you know, with your daughter worked out. 
how did, did did Deercast play like a pretty good role in the success on both these hunts or how how do you normally apply it? Yeah, actually, um, they both, both days that I, uh, shot those bucks on, they said, great. Um, mm-hmm. and leading up to that the weekend before it said, great. And I seen, I seen really good deer movement. Just, I didn't see, I didn't see him. He was the only deer I was going, well, there, there was another eight pointer, but he wasn't near as regular. I didn't have any history with him up until late season, really. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't really too focused on him, but so I never did see him the weekend before. And then, um, actually it was I think two days before I ended up shooting him. He, he was out in my other food plot with like 30, 30 minutes to go shooting light. And I was at work and like, man, I was like, I'm taking Thursday off and I'm, you know, I'm leaving early and I'm going to go out. Cause it said great all weekend. Yeah. And yeah, we, we were, like I said, we were, uh, we were sitting there that night, me and my daughter and I had hunt hunted that plot pretty, you know, pretty hard. And I was like, man, I, I might've just burned this out or they might've picked through the food. I hadn't been out there to check the food or anything, you know, as mm-hmm. far as the turnips and you know, what was going on, just trying to stay away. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it was, I was starting to get pictures up on my other plot and i was like man we should have just went up there the wind wasn't ideal for that though so i just stayed where i you know where he was more regular he wasn't yeah like i said i got him daylight up there earlier in the week but he wasn't near as regular up there mm-hmm. so yeah we, uh, we went with my gut and i said let's just stick it out and smart it was, yeah it was we were getting like so i was getting pictures uh up in that other plot and i was like man this is this isn't good that's yeah, like the, that's the bad side to uh, trail cams. They make you question a lot of moves that I think you would have just made regardless from, you know, MRI or just anything that you, you already know, but then you get pictures of deer in another spot and you're like, uh, am I in the right spot? And then it, I'll be honest, trail cams have made me jump out of a spot and it probably wasn't the best move at the time. Yeah, I, I've know. done that too. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're, they're a great tool, but if you're not careful, they can get inside your head. Right. So, so it worked out, man. I mean, did how, after the shot, did the buck run out of the field? Did your daughter get to watch him drop right there? How did it all play out? Um, he actually ran out of the, ran out of the field and, uh, I built my windows to be good for sitting down, you know, it's a mm. homemade blind and she was having a hard time seeing you know, sitting on the chair. So she had to stand up and she, she said she watched it, you know, she mm-hmm. stood up on her tippy toes and then the smoke, she couldn't really see him run off, but yeah, I got my, you know, I got my head out the window and looked and seen blood coming off of him. So I knew it was a good hit. Knew it was wrapped up. So did, what was her reaction when you guys walked up on him? Uh, I didn't take her to, I actually, it was kind of a, a long night. I had, you know, I clipped his heart. He still ran about, 450 500 yards it was that's, it was unreal that's insane greg was talking about that too he he hit a deer in the heart and it ran like an insane amount of, of distance for being hit in the heart yeah it was and i mean when he when i hit you know he sprayed and, and then you could tell when he just started walking it was like you took a water bottle and you dumped red you know you dumped blood out with a water bottle walking through i mean we had snow so it was really easy to see yeah. Did you have good yeah. blood the whole way, the whole the whole track? 
Yeah, I never I, – I could look up in the snow and see Bud 30, 40 yards ahead of me. No and kidding. He still, and he still went that far. I'll have to send wow. you some pictures. Yeah, yeah, do that, man. I always – it's kind of like what nightmares are made of a little bit. I mean, the snow made it easier to track them. But, you, you know, when you make a shot like that and you have that blood and you're walking, you, you made it to the 200-yard mark, at that point you're like, what the hell happened? Like, what's That's going on here? And that's the crazy part. I got to about 300 yards, 250, 300 yards. Just, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't have to step, you know, I just kind of guessed on yeah, yeah. with, you know, different at, but uh, yeah, I, I got up there and I backtracked it back and it said I had been about 300 yards and I came up to three beds. The first bed, it was, you know, the blood like soaked all the way to the ground. The second one was about halfway through. And then the third bed was just real faint blood and I lost blood completely after that. I don't know if he packed up, you know, mm -hmm. like sat there and it kind of froze up. But yeah. then the next day when we went out, we found him, you know, we found blood about 60 yards after that. And it was the same thing after that. It was like, you took that water bottle and you started again. Whoa. So it'd be interesting to talk to, um, I know, isn't it? I think it's Greg's cameraman that has that blood dog. Yep. Yep, Casey. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, if he, you know, what if he's ever seen something like that, you know, where they've laid down and, you know, I Clogged know deer. Up. But deer, man, in the heart, that's what's crazy to me. They're it just their will to live is insane. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. So when you cleaned them, did were you specifically like, you know, I mean, you know, everybody knows like that pocket where the heart's at. Did you pulled the heart out and like examined it and everything? I didn't get anywhere near that. I just started, you know, I just when I, and then that's when I gutted him the next, it was the next morning. He didn't have any blood left. Like, you know, when you open them yep. up and it's usually bloody, it's like he pumped everything out. Whoa, that yeah, man, that I've is crazy. Seen, I've never seen anything like it. How cold was it when you shot him like, or that night? Oh, uh, it was, it was really cold. I, I can't remember. It was down in the single digits. Yeah. Which is brutal. Like, can you imagine like an animal that can take a shot? to the heart and then live for that long. Do you think he, he probably died that, I mean, obviously that night. He died that night. I, there's no doubt about it. Man, that is wild. You hear stuff like that and you just wonder, like a lot of certain, not a lot, every now and again, you hear about a blood trail that you really don't have an explanation on how a deer made it through or what actually happened. And you just, I don't know, it makes you want to just, basically do an autopsy and investigate to see what happened. And, you know, but I mean, so many factors can play in angle penetration, like how the legs positioned, all that, you know, so each situation is unique, but that's what makes blood trailing fun and frustrating. Yeah. Real frustrating that night. Dang man. Well, you got them and your daughter's with you. That makes it even better. Um, so man, I just want to get you on quick, man, and tell that story. You know, I'll uh, I'll steer people to that other podcast we did. I thought that was a fun one. We, we actually did it. Um, it's an audio podcast and video podcast. So if you guys want to check that out, that's a uh, working class bow hunter, and we'll put it's on our YouTube as well. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day, man, to come back and chat with me again, and all the support that you uh, throw at us at working class bow hunter, man. It means a lot. Thank you. Anytime. Well, go kill two more giants next year, and then we'll do this all over again. All right. We'll try. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, listening, watching. We appreciate you. We'll catch you on the next one. Go shoot a giant.
Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.